0: intense thrilling electrifying sport on the planet mixed martial arts you've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it the search is over this is the mma Knowledge show no filter Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. Welcome
1: back to the MMA Anomaly show, No Filter. You heard the man, I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly. With me, as always, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother?
2: MMA Anomaly, we are doing fantastic on this Monday. It's a three-day weekend, You got some fantastic fights we're going to discuss today, but quick shout out Martin Luther King Jr. Obviously, there was a reason that we had the day off today. Um, we had a dream and, uh, hey, very influential, one of the just best people, I mean, that us humans have had to produce ever, in all time. This is a legend, so uh, shout out Martin Luther King, everything he stood for, and hey man, it's going to be a great day. It already has been, and... And it was a fun first fight night of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Can't wait to dive in with y'all. Let's go!
1: Absolutely a fun fight card, indeed. Um, man, gonna go ahead and just start off this episode by addressing the very obvious elephant in the room here. We have a uh, an early candidate for the the Parlay Killer of the year. That is this young man. Right here, Nicholas Mota, Uh, he was not supposed to beat Tom Nolan. He was definitely not supposed to win that fight, Uh, but he did. I digress. Came out there, he did the dang thing, and uh, he he made it happen. And what's up, Leo, in the chat? We appreciate you being here, brother. Um, Again, as always, this is the No Filter Show. If we get it wrong, we're not going to hide under under a rock here. We're going to call ourselves uh, as it is. And we got it wrong on a couple of these here. We definitely thought that Tom Nolan was going to come out there and get the win, and he did not. But before we get into that, I would be remiss if I did not mention Joshua Van coming out there and putting it on Felipe Brunez. 57 strikes landed compared to 154 strikes landed by Joshua Van. And my goodness, when this young man was ripping to the body, when I say he was ripping to the body, folks, he was ripping to the body. Boom! Boom! He was coming in hard. He was coming in hot. He was coming in strong. And my goodness, he could do no wrong. Uh, the man went out there and landed 83 significant strikes out of 141 attempted. Uh, went one for one on takedowns. I don't know how good your math is, but that's 100% accuracy there. Um, he controlled the pace of this fight. He showed that he can go longer than around here in the UFC, right? Uh, he, you know, he... Didn't let it get out of the second round, though. He got that knockout. He made it look absolutely brilliant. Um, Curious to hear your thoughts on this one. And, yeah, I mean, just, God, what a fight, man. Joshua Van is a name to watch.
2: Absolutely that, yeah. What a fight. What an absolute performance. What a start to the year. What a start to the night. Uh, Joshua Van, the UFC and Brash knew what they were doing by putting him first, setting the tone uh, fortunately Felipe Bunez was on the wrong side of a butt whooping. And like you uh, alluded to, man, it was it was pretty one sided. Joshua Van was ripping to the body, going upstairs, just really putting it all together and does a great <clears throat> job of displaying what happens when you throw everything with balance and with purpose. Everything is hard. Everything lands right on the money you you notice when Felipe was uh, Taking those punches, he was feeling it. It was hurting, right? You can have your poker face, but that only lasts so long. And again, 131 strikes in one round. That's quite a bit. This guy's constantly uh, impressing me, Uh, this kid, Joshua Van. I say kid because he's only 22 years old. Uh, So again, absolute savage. Love what I saw from him. And sky's the limit, man. I mean, it's tough to see or predict maybe what's next for him. There's still a lot to be had. Still has a lot of runway left in his career. We always talk about the Icarus effect here. I don't know if you want to just throw him right in the den of wolves, but certainly somebody that is exciting, that seems to be answering the bell, that seems to be pretty active as well. Uh, if he didn't sustain any injuries, would love to see him back in this year as soon as possible. Maybe on a pay per view. Maybe you move him up a little bit. Um, maybe get him against another young up and coming guy in the division. A lot of talent. A lot of exciting things you could do with them. I don't know if you have any names top of mind or. Anything else you want to shine light on about this great performance, and then just a stud of a kid, Joshua Van?
1: Yeah, I mean, well said, Nono. I feel like it was a great performance, and I truly feel like again the one thing I really do want to allude to and say about this young man, Joshua Van, is this: his shot selection is just absolutely insane, folks. His his shot selection, his timing. His uh, his fight IQ in there overall is, again, in my humble opinion, I think it's leaps and bounds ahead of where he's at as far as age. He's only 22 years old. He's a child, folks. Like In this sport, he's very young. He's got about 10 years before he enters fight prime, and this is what he's doing in the octagon right now. Uh, I, I truly feel like he gets it done against, honestly, most people outside of the top 25, In the division but that being said i don't want to see him get rushed i don't want to see him hit that icarus effect and fly too close to the sun too fast and come plummeting back down um disappointingly so i'm not going to play matchmaker for him i don't have a name on the tip of my tongue if i'm being honest with you um unless you have a name on the tip of your tongue more than
2: happy to move into the next one keep it rolling someone though get him in there soon that's all i hope
1: I keep it rolling again. I'll go ahead and throw this picture up for anybody that may have missed it. Uh, this is the parlay breaker of 2024 folks. This is a young man named Nicholas Mota. He has a, uh, a troubled track record here in the UFC, right? He lost to Jim Miller. He lost to Manuel Torres. Um, and, and I mean, his only win was over Cameron van camp who in the UFC has only ever lost. He lost to Nicholas Mota. He lost to Andre Fialo. um, So, again, not necessarily the best situation for this guy, right? Um, Appreciate Nano for the extra call out to the picture there. Love that. Um, So, again, Nicholas Mota is definitely the iron in the way of you making your way to the bank. And that's upsetting. Uh, That is his nickname, obviously. Nicholas Iron Mota and He went out there and got it done. He got a TKO in the very first round, just a minute and three seconds in uh, just a barrage of punches coming in. And I mean, Oh man, goodness gracious me. I don't know what else to say other than uh, we messed up by putting that guy on so many of our damn parlays.
2: Yeah. I think that was the big one, right? Yeah. I think you had him on a couple. I had him on my one essential one, um, And yeah, I think a lot of people lost some money. I know uh, one of our pals in the community did, unfortunately. He was right on Joshua Van, but hey, every dog has their day. Nicholas Mota, man, this guy. This guy's an absolute savage right here to my uh, left. Feels like my right. I don't know, but either way, as we're pointing him out, as he's visible on the screen, the boogeyman is here. Nicholas Mota, man. Uh, Great performance and simply outclassed our boy. I mean, someone that We had a lot of hype on someone that looked to do well against tough opponents. But this kid, Nikolas, man, let me tell you, just right from the jump, looked strong, looked physical, looked a little pissed off, right? Maybe we were were hyping up uh, our boy Tom Nolan over here a bit too much. And I did think that the range was going to be an issue or the size difference for that matter. But it felt like Tom Nolan really was not... Using his size correctly. I think he was sitting too much in the pocket, was not at range to begin with. And then once they got close, it just felt like Nicholas Motha was way more comfortable. Again, looked strong, was able to hurt him, pretty much do whatever he wanted to our boy Tom Nolan. And then, yeah, got the finish, man, uh, in an impressive fashion. So, earned my respect. Don't necessarily have a what's next for him because, frankly, wasn't even on my radar before this fight, <laughs> but definitely earned my respect. And, uh, is now known as the boogeyman of Star of the year. So we will be remembering Nicholas Motha infamously. <laughs> what were your thoughts, brother?
1: We will definitely be remembering this guy with, with great infamy. Um, I mean, he literally blew both of our parlays here. He, he, he might be a problem. Um, I do think that if he goes in there against top 15 level opposition, it's, it's going to be a problem for him because even in there, uh, you know, uh, against a uh, Tom Nolan, who, as you stated very, very perfectly was just not using the range or size to his advantage at all. Even then he had Nicholas Mota, you know, looking for his opponent with half his punches saying, where are you? Um, Cause I mean, he went 21 for 40 on punches landed. However, I digress. The 21 punches landed were all significant strikes. So uh, the dude was throwing everything with power, everything with heat. Um, But there you have it. Nicholas Moda gets it done in just one minute and three seconds. And I I mean, you did say something that I think was a bit out of line, brother. I'm going to be honest with you here. You said that he might be the new boogeyman, maybe the parlay boogeyman. But if we're talking about real, True-to-heart boogeyman here? Oh, man. I I would just... Come on. I'd be a fool if I didn't talk about Jean Silva. Man came out there, got it done in four minutes and 12 seconds of domination. Made Weston Wilson look like he didn't even belong in the UFC. They threw the same exact number of strikes, but Jean Silva, Jean Silva, landed more than double the amount of Weston Wilson. Oh, and then he got on the microphone and started barking like a rabid dog. My goodness, this man was an absolute savage out there. Um, I don't know if anybody got the script for that one ahead of time, but man, did not have that on my Monopoly bingo card uh, UFC whatever for 2024 folks. That shit was insane. Um, Again, that was wild. I was here for it, man. I, I, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. I, I don't think we need to play matchmaker for him because he's pretty far down the featherweight line there, if we're being honest. But that TKO due to punches was uh, disgusting, in my opinion. And before then, even, it, it kind of felt like he was playing with his food between you and me.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He was playing with it. He did just about anything he wanted with it. He was making a uh, waffle. Pancake houses out of his food. He was, um, yeah, doing anything and everything. Making a little landscape for his dinosaur nuggies. He was doing just about anything out of the sun. It was extremely one-sided. Pike could have got even double odds. And it wouldn't have surprised me. Uh, John Silva is an absolute dog, like I mentioned. Barking in there, literally. Uh, and was, was just a man on a mission out there. I mean, my goodness, thank you for the q and of the dogs right behind me. Shout out all in producing as well. MMA anomaly here. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, Weston Wilson, it, it was a true showcasing of a boxer slash striker going in there against a one dimensional jujitsu guy. Uh, Weston Wilson, unfortunately just did not look comfortable on his feet at all. Was trying to rapidly get it to the ground. Even when he was down there, um, it just felt like John Silva still had an answer for him, was strong, was able to get out of those non favorable positions and ultimately put him out of there within the first five minutes. It was a great, it was a great fight. Another stoppage here. We got three in a row, ladies and gentlemen, to start off the first fight night of the year. Let's go. Couldn't
1: have said it better myself, man. Um, just, you love to see it. Three TKOs to start it off. Um, none of these fights even saw a third round. Two out of three didn't even see a second round. So you love to see it, man. Um, Moving right into the next one, we had Farid Basharat coming in against Taylor Lopolis. Now, again, folks, you can check the tape. You can check the record, bud. Uh, I did say that this was not going to be a landslide victory for Farid Basharat. I said it was going to be a hard-fought victory if he does get it and pull it out. He did get it. He did pull it out. He went 5 for 16 on takedowns. Uh, landed versus attempted. That's a 31.2% clip, folks. Uh, not the most impressive. However, shooting 16 takedowns is wildly impressive in a three-round a 3 round fight, a.k.a. a 15-minute fight. So that being said, he is very impressive. He is somebody to watch. But, again, Taylor Lopoulos is no scrub. He went out there and uh, landed at about the same percent clip here, so 436 Percent on total strikes landed for Taylor Lopez's uh, Taylor Lopolis versus uh 47.4% clip for Farid Basharat. And again, I think the differential, the, the real kind of separation of this fight, kind of where Fareed was able to pull it away was the takedowns, right? Even though he went five for 16, he was able to go out there and again, dictate the pace of the fight, control the dance, lead the dance, so to speak. And, and I do agree with Leo here in the chat. Basharat is one to watch. Also, want to quickly shout out Authentic Z in the chat. Cheers, brother. We appreciate you and the beer emojis. We'll definitely do a shot here in a second because uh, Lord knows we have one to do for uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Mota, Mr. Iron Parlay Breaker 2024. Damn him. Um, but also, congrats on his win, man. Great job. Good for you.
2: Yeah, we are happy for you deep down, even though we did lose some money and a little bit of dignity and um, a little bit of our ego and morality. But that's fine. Life goes on. We will do a shot. We're going to lose a little bit of uh, alcohol in this bottle He'll ter- here. I'll tell you that much. Um, <clears throat> but like you mentioned, brother, uh, and and I mean, we would have been uh, correct up until that point, right? So we're you know three and one to start the fight in terms of our picks. We got to keep that in mind here, y'all, as we break it down for you. Um... But yeah, like like you mentioned,
1: bad, brother.
2: I'll take those odds every day. Take those odds, man. I'll go into war with that. I'll go into war with that. Um, yeah, brother. An- another strong performance here to discuss here. Rid Basharat, the-, the Basharat bros are in action. Start 2024. You're going to be hearing more and more about this kid. Uh, and overall, this, you know, felt like, especially after the last few finishes we've been seeing up until this uh, point in the night, this one felt a little bit slower, not as active, not a lot of punches thrown. Um, there were a lot of takedowns. Fried Bashar clearly had that game plan and uh, was extremely active and was, uh, for the most part, relatively successful. He did only land one of eight takedown defense in that first round, but again, his game plan was clear. He was able to go out and, um, you know, edge out a pretty unanimous decision in my book over his opponent, Taylor Lapolis. Tried to do what he could. But it was levels on the ground. It was levels in the clinch. side uh, that is. And, and free Rod was obviously the guy, man. It was strong performance by him. Dana and the Brash, you know. They they don't want this to turn into one of those boring uh, jiu-jitsu matches you've been seeing more and more of. Or people complaining of the butt scooting. Or not to uh, discredit the ground game. But, you know, hey, everyone wants to see action. And um, although this was one of the slower fights, you got some good um, situational, you know, uh, Well, I guess the situations on the ground, I should say, uh, in regards to that fight and him being able to show dominance, be able to stay in dominant positions. Um, And like Leo Leach kindly mentioned here in the chat, he is a cardio machine, this Fred Basherat, man. Sky's the limit for him. Don't necessarily have a dance partner top of mind, but he is definitely climbing his way closer and closer into that top 25 conversation. Potentially maybe a top 15 guy, maybe by this time next year, if he could get another couple wins under his belt.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Uh,
1: 100% agree with that. He is a machine. Leo Leach said it per, like perfectly in the chat here. He is a cardio machine, to be more specific. Um, again, attempting 16 takedowns when there is top-tier resistance against them uh, and landing five, for that matter, on top of throwing 116 strikes across 15 minutes, very impressive. Vastly impressive, in my humble opinion. I am... Um, Very enthused to see what the matchmakers do for this man next. Uh, I may or may not have a name on the tip of my tongue, but I'm going to save it here for a few minutes because I'm just so excited to get into this next damn fight. Okay? You know we're talking about Marcus, the maniac, McGee. This man is an absolute maniac, for lack of better words. He is a beast out there. Coming in against Gaston Balanos. Man, I feel like I've just been taking the steam and leading my way through all of these. I'm going to let you take the lead on this because I know you're really high on this guy. But, man, I've got some thoughts.
2: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, uh, man, you get, you're get steamrolling today. I won't take too much of the time here. I'll keep it short and sweet. But, um, yeah, brother. Maniac McGee. What a performance. What a knockout. What a great night for him, man. Loved everything I saw from him. Came out from the jump. Looked extremely focused in my opinion, looked really strong. I mean, even me and my dad are watching him, and my dad's comment on how shredded his back is and just how dense his muscle looks. You could tell. Dude's just a tightly round uh, you know, ball of, of strength and also a lot of skill. I think we need to uh, shine a little light there and give some roses to our boy Marcus Maniac McGee. Find out of my backyard here in Phoenix, Arizona area. Originally the Cali kid, but hey, man, got to support the locals and... Extremely impressive performance again um, on his feet, technically sound. Never had, uh, never was in a bad position. I think his like sp- uh, uh, his spacing, his awareness, and then frankly that power, brother. I mean, it was it was a lot, and you and he knows he has it. I think one thing that kind of worried me a little bit <clears throat> as he started to uh, hurt Gasson, Balenos, and and ultimately got him on the ground. There was an instant where he hit him. And he assumed, or he was waiting for the ref to stop it. The ref never got in there, right? And, and he ended up getting back up. Had to basically rinse and repeat, do the same thing again, make it an obvious choice. Had to get him out of there, right? Until the ref comes in. It's just, I, I know it's good sportsmanship and good gamesmanship and all about fighter safety here. My fear is as you continue to climb these ranks and you're going to be in there with strong opponents, you can't leave any margins up for uh you don't want to leave it in the hands of the judges in that sense. You you don't what you don't want to do is let your opponent get back up and then find a way to come back and hurt you. Um you don't want to really give them a chance to recover. I mean it's 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 weird to say right and, and even if you don't want to fully, you know, maybe give a, another donkey kong punch or a, you know a heavy hitter um you know, then, then maybe you, you reel it back or you make the ref know that, hey, if you don't come in here and stop it, I am going to continue to hurt this guy and get him out of here. It just, to me, it felt like, hey, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Get your opponent out of there. Not that I want to see extra punches. Again, I want to be clear there. I think there's another fight that we could talk about later on here that definitely was one or two too many, which again, you don't want to see that either. But hey, brother, get your opponent out of there. Get the job done. Don't assume the ref's going to come in and stop it. You need to give him that reason to even if you just aggressively get postured up on top of them, act like you're going to throw one more if you need to throw it by all means. But I think just that aggression and showcasing, I'm, I'm putting this, my uh, opponent into a bad position here. You need to come stop and make an obvious choice for them. Um, that was my only gripe performance of the night. Uh, excited for what's next for Marcus maniac. McGee would love to see him get back in there as soon as possible. Uh, maybe he could fight with sugar Sean on his card upcoming. You never know. But, um, and that'd be in Miami, I believe, against Chito Vera. Uh, but yeah, brother, great performance. Would love to hear your breakdown. When
1: it comes to Marcus the Maniac McGee, I thought the guy looked like an absolute just stud out there. And again, not fighting a nobody, fighting Gaston Balaynals, who is, again, an absolute beast. Dubin out there threw 82 strikes. He, he only laid at 28 of them. Why? Because Marcus McGee was elusive prey. He was not standing still, constantly moving either forward or on the back foot, pivoting, cutting angles, utilizing every asset that he had to his advantage. I mean, the the footwork that he displayed, in my opinion, was probably the most impressive thing because I knew that he had speed in his strikes. I knew that he had power in his strikes. The footwork was really on display, making his opponent miss almost 70% of his strikes, literally making his opponent miss 66% of his strikes across the duration of that fight for as long as it lasted. And we knew this one was going to be a bit of a bottle rocket style performance, right? Just a, a quick, but as soon as it's up there, you know, it's good guys. Um, again, one thing else that stood out to me in in terms of Marcus, the maniac McGee was the fact that again, just like Leo Leach said here in the chat in regards to the last winter, we were talking about being a cardio machine. Marcus is a little bit of a cardio machine, folks. That man, I I mean, if he told me he was an Autobot, I would believe him. It's a fact, folks. The dude was an absolute machine out there. He looked phenomenal, and he got it done in the second round via KO, just three minutes and 29 seconds in against somebody who really knows a thing or two about ripping to the body. And you could tell when he was ripping to the body, those ones hurt his opponent, folks. He did not like it. So, this is definitely somebody to watch. Now, just about five minutes ago, or give or take, I said I maybe had a name on the tip of my tongue for Mr. Fareed Basharat. Now, I think, call me crazy here, folks. I really, 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 really think that Fareed Basharat versus Marcus McGee (laughs) might be a low-key banger here, folks. Uh, I think that those are two guys that would stand across the octagon from each other, and it would feel like an old spaghetti western. It would just be a badass fight of two guys that have seemingly endless cardio, going at it toe-to-toe, and you know they're both going to bring the fire. You know they're both going to bring the heat, and you know neither guy is going to shy away from the gunfight. So we want that smoke. I want that smoke. Nana, what do you think about that matchup?
2: I love that brother. That's a fun one. It's creative. They obviously both just fought. I think the timing can definitely work out. Uh, Fred Basterot. I'm curious if he's going to go on, want to go out there and sit in the octagon and swing and bang, bang, swing and bang. I should say with someone like Marcus maniac McGee, he's a dog, right? Um, and he's mentioned he wants to go out there and do nothing but, uh, cause violence and strike with his opponents international fight week. Ooh, that'd be a nice addition right there, brother. For sure. It's a great take. um, that could Man. be a solid
1: prelim to tee up a, a really fire card for International Fight Week, if I'm not if I'm being honest here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, brother. That's a good call. I'd love to see it. Again, both guys are trending in the right direction. Could be a prospect eliminator, someone that's maybe trending towards that top 15. Um, I know Marcus Maniac McGee's not getting any younger. I think he's close to 35 at this point. So hey, be active. Get in there as soon as you can, answer the bell when they call. And uh I'll be ruined for you. I know that much.
1: Absolutely. Again, I just think that that fight is a, an, an absolute banger of a fight. We do have a shot to do because we, again, a few fights ago, uh, we had the parlay breaker, the great parlay breaker, Iron Mota himself, fucking guy. Um, you know, we're sad, ah. but we're also happy. So here we go. Cheers, folks. Yes. To us getting it all right on this next episode.
2: Yes. Now we are so far in one in terms of our individual picks, and I do think that's my one learning lesson here, y'all. As I get a little vulnerable with ya, to be honest here, in terms of our betting and how we want to approach the year, New Year, New Me. I think it's the first time I said that uh, this year. But in terms of the betting style, New Me on DraftKings and uh, new approach, <laughs> less of the all the turkeys in one basket here. I'm gonna spread the wealth, and I think going more individual uni bets will be the way to go. Because again, we'd probably be positive money and not be sweating the uh Tom Nolan uh you know parlay breaker there. So live and learn.
1: Let this band cook. Uh I mean, come on. Nano just coming in with the, the straight up heat here. Learning, learning experiences. You'll love to fucking see it. And Leo Leach has asked us in the chat. When can we talk about Jim H40 Miller, aka as he is known these days? Jim Miller. Um, folks, I'll tell you, we're gonna talk about him in just a little bit, or as Wanderley Silva likes to say, food. <laughs> so uh yeah, we will be talking about that very, very soon, guys. Nice. I just, I always look for an excuse to use that gif of Wanderlei Silva, you know? It just feels like cash money. So, moving into the next fight here, guys. Again, I think Marcus McGee versus Fareed Basharat is just absolute money in the bank. This next one, big gutted over. Not going to lie to you folks. Really thought Matthew the Jedi, Burger semi the Jedi. Thought he'd be able to get it done. But I digress. He was not. uh, He went out there, just didn't do a whole lot as far as offense is concerned across the distance and duration of this 15-minute bout. He only threw 77 strikes, which is less than half what his opponent, Preston, pressure Parsons threw. My goodness, has a nickname ever been so deserved as Preston, pressure Parsons. Man went out there and got it done, threw 165 strikes, landed 116 Come on, guys. I mean, that's pretty damn significant. That's a lot of strikes thrown in a 15-minute bout. And landing at a 70-plus percent uh, clip is pretty damn impressive, in my opinion. Oh, by the way, he also landed 7 of 11 takedowns attempted. Come on. Pretty damn significant. Again, attempting 11 takedowns is wild in itself. Landing over half of them? is is pretty damn significant um matthew Semmelsberger, man i feel like he's one of those guys that's very up and down tough to bet on i definitely don't think i'll be taking any more bets on him in the near future but we are here to talk about the winner we are here to talk about preston pressure parsons now sitting at 11 and four um the kid is somebody to watch i think this was his biggest step up in competition if i'm being honest I mean, Trevin Giles beat him, and now he comes out here and he looks like this over Matthew Semelsberger. I'm very excited to see who they pair him up with next. I don't have any names on the tip of my tongue for him just because over Matthew uh, Semelsberger, it's hard to say because with how up and down he is as far as consistency goes, that didn't really tell me a whole lot as to where Preston Parsons is on the talent pool of the UFC. Do I think he's top 15 ready? Not yet. Maybe in about a year, though, if he keeps it up at this rate, if he fights another two times this year and, and starts racking up these wins the way he did uh day before yesterday, I'd be very, very enthused and happy to see him break his way into the top 15. What were your thoughts on this this fight, Nano?
2: Yeah, really. Great breakdown. Won't need to beat a dead horse here. Don't need to add, add the extra context, but I will add my little layer here real quick and. Um, yeah, we were wrong. I was shoot wrong. You know, this was a them essentially, minus one fifteen, minus one oh five in terms of the odds going into it. A little bit in favor of Matthew Sellersberger. Picked the wrong horse here to stick with the horse analogies. But yeah, shout out Preston Parsons, man. Looked extremely game.
0: Yep, yeah,
2: yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. We're now four and two on the night. But um, yeah, he just from the gate really uh was a man on a purpose was mixing it up well, one on the strike differential, was getting the takedowns often, um, shooting them often, getting them often. Uh, went four out of five in that second round, like it mentioned, two out of three in the third, um, and still able to land, outstrike his opponent by like four or five X, what his opponent was able to land on him. That's Samelsberger, that is. And yeah, maybe it was the haircut. Maybe it was just, you know, um, Good meeting good and just a little bit better ended up being victorious. Um, But again, great performance by him. He seems like a well-rounded studly dude. So curious to hear um, or see what the UFC will want to do for him. Like I mentioned, don't really have a lot of picks here and we're not going to see our math. Like we're matchmakers. It's tough when you're outside of the top 15. I think that's always a question we like to ask ourselves. If um, you know, we're dealing with fighters that are not ranked and there's not an obvious path to the title, is, hey, is this person maybe worth getting back in there as soon as possible to contend with another top 25 guy, a top 50 guy? Conversation's up, I think, is trending up. Um, But it's tough to pick an opponent. They're also so gosh darn deep. But love to see Preston get back in there ASAP. Definitely earn my respect. I'll have to pour up a little mm-hmm. shot, like you mentioned, because uh gosh darn Samuelsberger, man, he got me.
1: Gosh darn Matthew, the semi-Jedi, semi-Jedi. He, he got us both, man. Uh, you know, we're not ones for, for letting each other drink alone. And, you know, before we take that shot, we'll go ahead and change the music here. Uh, change the mood, change the music, change it all up. Yeah, I feel like this is more appropriate. This is a little bit sad. Depressing, uh, might I even say. Uh, you know, this next fight, it was deeply depressing to me because I finally, after all these years, man, I've been getting to meet these UFC fighters more and more and more and I got to meet Andre Arlovsky literally last year in, in July with uh, some of my closest friends and then he went out there and he, he got beat by Waldo Cortez Acosta I thought that it was actually debatable I actually thought that the man, the myth, the legend Andre Warlovsky the pit bull, I thought he got it done Um, and that is why we poured up our shot not because we lost that last bet but because we do this for the legend we do this for Andre Orlovsky
2: we do this right, for the legend right you are absolute legend ex-champion he's fighting for over 23 years now I think it's 24 one of the favorite players I used to ever fight with on UFC one of the scariest individuals in his prime go look at him dude's scary We'll miss you, Arvlowski. We'll miss you. And he looked gosh good. It wasn't as heroic as a uh, ruthless Robbie Roller exit, but he looked good, just not good enough. How I Met Your Fighter <laughs> episode 69.
1: <laughs> we got to do it, baby. We got to do it. Um, <clears throat> Leo, you absolutely would beat uh, oh, Jack yeah. Turkey at UFC 5 because he's never played it. Uh, when, he's, it when he's saying that Arlovsky one of his favorite fighters to play as he's talking about Undisputed 3 like long time ago back in back on the PlayStation the 2 golden ages of PlayStation 2 and, and Xbox 360 but I digress Andre Orlovsky, on to better better times hopefully better fights if you continue to fight for the UFC would love to see you get back into the winning uh, types of fights would love to see you get a little Fertility. over your opponent you know we always love that we always love him. Uh So, again, uh, with that being said, we're going to change it up a little bit here. Switch back to the Ush and move on forward. Um, I, I'm not going to give a what's next for Waldo Cortez Acosta. I'm not going to even really break down the fight because, again, he, he landed at a lower accuracy. He landed less strikes. He landed less significant strikes. There were no takedowns. Uh, I just thought that it was a fairly close fight. Nothing impressed me. To be honest, from either side, nothing was crazy impressive to me. But that being said, moving into Bruno Ferreira, Ferreira, sorry, uh, quick lesson in how to pronounce these names, Nano, just in case you're unaware. And for the general audience, just in case you're unaware, when it comes to these Brazilian names, you might notice that a name like uh, Alex Pereira, right? Uh, You notice that we pronounce the R's with a rolling R or even just an R sound. However, when it comes to somebody like Bruno Fajeda, we make an H sound for the R. Why do you think that is? Well, I'll tell you because this is uh, an educational show, folks. Even when we get bets wrong, we'll, we'll still learn you something. Okay, so if it has two R's and it's a Brazilian name, typically you get that kind of H sound coming out of it instead of the R sound. Whereas when it's one single R, you get the uh, R sound, or the rolling R sound. However, kind of like I before E, except after C here in the English uh, vocabulary, there is a difference or, or kind of an exception to the rule. If an R leads the name, typically, if it's one R and it's at the front of the name, it will carry the H sound, like Hinato Moicano or Hainan Barao. That was your MMA anomaly minute. Uh, and now we can actually jump into the fight, folks, uh, after that little educational moment on the MMA Anomaly Show No Filter with yours truly. Uh, so, Bruno Fajeda versus Phil Haas was a very, very fun fight if you're a Bruno Fajada fan and a very sad fight if you're a Phil Haas fan. It was just, man, a battering, if I'm being honest. Like, Bruno Fajeda just hits like an absolute truck and it shows. It absolutely shows the man threw 43 attempted significant strikes. By the way, he only threw 49 strikes in the fight. Um, So most of what he throws is with killer intent. Uh, He had one knockdown, one finished. Again, it was a TKO. He went out there and just put a disgusting display on over his opponent. I thought he looked absolutely incredible. In fact, since his appearance on Dana White's contender series, he's become a very exciting fighter in the middleweight division. Uh, again, I look forward to his next fight. I do think that it should be someone either right outside of the top 15 or right inside of the top 15. Um, I'll be honest. I do have a name on the tip of my tongue. I don't know whether to say it right now or give you a chance because I don't know. Maybe we'll be thinking the same guy, but it's a, it's a random one.
2: Ooh, ooh. Um, I'd love to hear your name. I mean, my two cents are just I'm a big fan of Bruno Fajeda. Appreciate the lesson there, first off, about the Portuguese and the Brazilian enunciations. We definitely want to put some respect on these individuals' names. They're badass individuals. Uh, and Bruno's one of a man. Yeah, great performance, looks strong. He was able to out wrestle the wrestler uh in being his opponent, Phil Hawes. He was an Iowa Iowa State champion. And if you know anything about Iowa. Well, if you don't know anything about Iowa, it's okay. But if you do want to know one thing, they wrestle out there. And uh, it's a pretty good program. So for Bruno to go out there, out-wrestle the wrestler, and then be able to put on a striking performance like he did, earn performance of the night. Man, that, that left hand was heavy. Um, and then those extra shots, as Jorge, might as well say, were super necessary. Uh, but curious to hear your thoughts, brother, what's next for him. Because, yeah, he is certainly training the right direction, even though he did lose a fight this last year. Um Coming back in that kind of fashion definitely puts you in the right category. And um, man, he looks like a strong, strong 185 pounder, brother. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts, man. What do you what do you think in here? Who's this random name that we're uh that you so kindly alluded to?
1: Well, it's someone who was on a pretty damn good run up until very recently, until he had this loss to Andre Muniz. I just think the Iron Turtle versus the Hulk. Should be a really fun matchup here folks
2: here Junior we go Park. oof oof that'd be a fun one you're absolutely right brother not only for the namesake of it but uh stylistically two guys will, that are going in there to look to strike that'd be a fun one
1: stylistically to me it almost feels like the uh the juggernaut versus the Hulk or Wolverine versus the Hulk or the blob versus the juggernaut, right? Like the immovable object versus the unbreakable force. So are the unstoppable object versus the immovable object. So, I mean, there's so many analogies I can make, but that being said, I feel like this fight just stylistically makes a lot of sense and uh, it makes a lot of dollars too, folks. So we know the UFC is all about that life. So that's what I think. Um It's definitely what I think this next fight was probably my second most exciting fight of the fight card here. And guys, I did call it. I did call it. I said, I know Mario Bautista, you know, he maybe hasn't been as impressive as Ricky Sabone to some extent, but I knew Mario Bautista was that guy. And I knew he was a scary mother Um, Man, he came out there. um, Vinny, Vinny, Vici. He came, he saw he conquered. He did the Mario jump at one point over the kick. Oh, my God. He literally. Thank you, Leo. Hive mind moment. Mario jump over the kick Batista. Uh, somebody on Twitter was nice enough to add the Mario sound effect. I cannot
2: hear that. I cannot hear that. Incredible. I cannot not hear that.
1: Fucking incredible <laughs> moment.
2: Um, and we've literally never seen someone literally jump over a late kick before. Like a, a check. Instead of, of checking Kung it. Kung movie. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Literally Incredible. And, um, dude, dude's name is Mario. The super Mario jokes make themselves right now, guys. Like I, we're not even having to try here. (laughs) Uh, like again, Mario Bautista, an absolute legend, an absolute stud. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, because again, I've got a lot of thoughts on this. This was probably my second favorite fight of the whole night. Um, but again, let's hear your thoughts. Nano hot mic.
2: Yeah, brother. I love that. This was probably my favorite fight of the night, man. It it was easily one of the best fight nights, uh, best fights of the night. Excuse me. Um, But yeah, we had two two dogs going in there in the band and weight division with a lot at stake. There was a number behind uh, Ricky Simon's name there. So a lot to be had. And I, let me see here. Did Nano have Ricky? I, I was scared of Ricky's wrestling. I ended up leaning with Mario Batista. He is fine here out of Arizona. I had to support the local kid, put him on. Uh, well, I actually stayed away from him in terms of betting because I was All so right. nervous. Good
0: job, champ.
2: I was extremely nervous about Ricky Simons wrestling and, and how strong he was going to look against Mario Batista. But Mario looked game, man. Not only did he invent that new Super Mario um, jumping leg defense that we saw, he invented a new move. You had that? Let's go. Let's go. love it, brother. Right on cue. Uh, <laughs> shocked me. But yeah, man, to, to break it down, I mean, when I'm looking at the striking differential, 118 landed by Mario Batista to 52, of that of Ricky Simon. I think that's the tale of the tape here, ladies and gents. It was really one-sided, much, much more so than you might have thought when you're watching the fight. It certainly was entertaining, seeing Ricky continuously try to get the takedown. He did get a couple, but again, that was only two out of 13 total attempts. And that was because Mario was really, really technically sound on defense. He was stuffing them. He was landing on the knees, flying knees. Uh, he was making Ricky think twice about it. And he was able to keep his endurance, keep that cardio. Uh, maybe it's something about the elevation or just just having that dog and knowing, hey, I, I have the potential to be a, a, a ranked uh fighter now. So congrats to Mario Batista, man. Great performance. Dude is extremely well-rounded. He was extremely focused and I'm extremely happy for the kid, man. Uh, curious to hear your two cents. What stood out to you? Uh, if you have anything that's next for him, I guess maybe we should, or I should put a little more thought here um, as I hand off the mic to you. If anyone sounds like a good matchup form here moving forward, but we'd love to hear your breakdown as I stall for time there.
1: <laughs> now, uh, you know, before, before I even jump into this breakdown, Going to go ahead and rewind a moment here. And just say that we called this, guys. We knew Mario Bautista was going to go out there and be an absolute stud, and that's exactly what he did. Um, As stated before, he did do the Super Mario jump right over those kicks and uh, right over all the bullshit throughout fight week. The guy's an absolute stud. The guy's an absolute beast, and he got it done in every way, shape, or form. Uh, But what led to him getting it done, I think, is kind of... The bigger statement here, again, you heard us mention this already twice in this one episode. I'm going to mention it again. I'm going to beat a dead horse here, as they say, and say that Mario Bautista, the thing that was really the differential for him, it was the fact that he's a machine, folks. The guy is an absolute machine in every sense of the word. Why am I saying this? Well, I'll tell you why, because he threw like 2.5 times the amount of volume as Ricky Simone, and that's exactly why he won. It's not like he was incredibly more accurate. They landed. Here's the crazy thing, okay? Total strikes, Ricky Simone landed at a 45.2% clip. Mario Bautista landed at a 42.8% clip, okay? When you look at significant strikes, Mario Bautista, 41.5%. Ricky Simone, 41.7%. Their significant strike accuracy was separated by 0.2%. Okay, so here's the thing, folks. The differential here is the fact that the total attempted significant strikes for Mickey Simone was 108, while Mario Bautista attempted 270 significant strikes, 276 total to 115 total. Again, more than two times the amount of total strikes thrown. That's why he outlanded him two to one. More than two to one, really. Insignificant and total strikes landed. Oh, and by the way, he also made him go 15.4% for his takedown clip here. Two for 13 on takedowns attempted versus landed. Oh, and by the way, when he got him down, it was the most frustrating thing to see in the world because he couldn't keep him there. Dude was just an absolute beast. He goes to the school of Derek Lewis. I don't want to be here, so I think I'm just going to stand the fuck up. And that's what he did. Like, like his, his grappling was insane. His scrambles to get back up were just like I don't know. I mean, I know that there was definitely proper form there even though I'm like amateur hour when it comes to grappling, right? I'm more of a striker. Everybody knows that. But even so, even be even that being said, guys, come on. I feel like dude just made it look easy against a guy that should have by all means had the better grappling over him. Had the better grappling advantage. He just made it seem like that just was not so. Uh, I was very, very impressed with him. And I think that there are a few names on the tip of my tongue when it comes to this guy. Um, Do you have any names on the tip of your tongue? If so, I'll let you go first. I don't want to steal your thunder, brother.
2: No, I'll let you go first. I mean, there's a few names. He is now, I'm assuming, going to take that 13th spot. Uh, There are definitely some interesting names, but I'd love to hear yours first, brother. What are you thinking?
1: Well, there is a couple of names here. So uh, the the two main names that come to mind, I'm going to lead with the softer one, and then I'm going to go hard for you. Okay, uh, that sounded very perverted, and I apologize. Um, that was not my intent. So the soft name is going to be Rob Font. I feel like that's a really fun fight. I feel like these guys are just going to jab each other up. Leg kicks are going to be there all day on both sides. It's going to be disgusting. Might see another couple of, uh, I don't know, Mario jumps maybe. But who's to say? Uh, if we don't get that fight, there is another name on the tip of my tongue that I think would be a lot of fun here. Dominic Cruz versus Mario Bautista.
2: Oh.
1: I think is kind of a money fight.
2: Man. And so he's still fighting, yeah. Dom's Dom's in it to win it, I'm assuming. Dom's
1: still fighting. He's in it to win it. He still wants to go on another title run. He's sitting at number 10. Rob font sitting at number nine on the rankings list. Rankings have not been updated officially yet. I'd assume they go into an update phase tomorrow. But I mean, as of right now, man, if Mario Batista even just replaces Ricky Simone on the rankings list, that puts him at number 13, even ahead of Umer Namurgomedov. Uh so Man, I just, I feel like it's
2: a good one. Man, yeah, I mean, that would be a great path for Mario Batista. I think those names you mentioned are stylistically fun matchups, but they do favor Mario Batista. I mean, Dom, at this stage in his career, after what we just saw from Mario, I don't know how how you really give Dom, Dominic Cruz, that many advantages outside of maybe just IQ over Mario Batista. Because if he fights his game like he did, if he stays focused for 15, maybe 25 minutes, He's a tough pill. He is a tough matchup for a lot of these individuals. And, and those names underneath them at 15 and El Guapo. Chris Gutierrez coming off a loss. Dominic Cruz also coming off a loss. Uh, Rob Font coming off a loss. So a lot of these fighters in this bracket are all coming off losses, except Umar. That might be a really good matchup. Maybe even another guy who's coming off a win here, if you want to get two guys trending the right direction, you might be able to sell it a little bit more, is a Jonathan Dragon Martinez. The dude that beat up our boy uh, Adrian Yanez most recently. That'd be another fun matchup. He is ranked 12th. So maybe 13 to 12 is uh, makes sense, obviously, in terms of the numbers <clears throat> and could potentially in terms of timing. Uh, but those other two names you mentioned at 9 and 10 as of now will be a great setup up for Mario Batista if it stays that way. And again, I mean, if you get a win over one of those guys, you make an easy name, uh, easy case for yourself to be a top five conversation be itching closer to that uh, title shot. So that'd be a fun one, man. Be a big test. Not easy, but a good litmus test for sure for Mario Batista. And he earned it, man. Kid looks talented at this stage in his career at 30 years old. We're going to find out what he's got soon. Hopefully sooner than later.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, I feel like again, Mario Bautista is one of those guys that you really, really, really need to keep an eye on because he is in the the kind of small list, the short list of names here on the tip of my tongue at the very least, that I think are going to be the the future names of tomorrow, right? These are gonna be the household names. Uh, and especially if we're talking about the Bantamweight weight division, this is a guy. This is a guy, folks, that just has absolute dog <laughs> written all over. Okay. Um he's one of those guys. I, and, and if you don't think he's a dog Then the only way I'd agree with you Is if you came back and said he's not a dog Because he's a lion You know what I'm saying He is a bit of a beast right Maybe he's a lion maybe he's a dog Either way he's got a fucking animal in him And it shows Now when we're talking about people that have an animal in them You know me Still the same OG. Um, I typically go for the AKA guys I have a little bit of a bias when it comes to these folks But I digress Gabriel Benitez, I uh, I bet against him in this fight. Why? Because I like Jim Miller. And I also just kind of knew that Jim Miller is, uh, he's the guy. He is the guy. Uh, I feel like Jim Miller is an absolute stud. I feel like he uh, has the ability to get it done over anybody. And um, he's a bit of an old dog. I feel like this is going to be the funnest one for us to play matchmaker for. But before I go over what led to the face crank submission, I want to let you kind of take over the hot mic here. I feel like we should pour up a couple shots for the old dog and Jim Miller. Fuck, I feel like we should, man. Because, you know, he he's one of those guys that I feel like has been fighting since I got into it. And, uh, or, you know, he, he started fighting shortly after I got into it, actually. He started. I mean, come on, guys. He's fought on UFC 100. He's fought on UFC 200. Put him on UFC 300. Um, what were your thoughts on this Jim Miller fight? And my gosh, what do you think is next for Brother. A10?
2: I, I think it gives Jim Miller, aka Jahim Miller, what, that's a H in there, because he is him, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, man, absolute legend, instant Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Um, I think it gives Jim Miller some stock in the company, maybe a couple percentage points. Uh, for all the wins he has. Maybe a name a choke after him or something like that. Maybe name an award after him for longevity. Uh, but yeah, brother, dude's an absolute savage. He's been in the UFC. I'm quickly trying to look since 2008, ladies and gentlemen. That is a long, a long time. UFC 89 seems to be the debut event. Bisming versus Lieben. Chris Lieben, look at that. A couple names for you. Uh, but yeah, Jim Miller, absolute savage, man. I mean, it's crazy to see what he's doing at this age and stage in his career. Still looks tough. Still looks game, man. Could take the punches, dishes them out, like still looks strong. It, it's crazy to think. I mean, he's an MMA anomaly, brother. He might be one of the other poster childs of our of our brand, of what we do around here. He's a, he's different. He dares to be different. He dares to be the anomaly. And um, man, it's this is consistent. I mean, I'm sure obviously a little lucky in terms of the health aspect. I mean, I'm sure he's had his nicks and bruises and surgeries and broken things of what have you but nothing of seriousness to keep him out of it. And at this age, again, he still looks so athletic, explosive, strong. He's smart. And it just, it's fun watching him go out there and uh, do the, uh, do the adult dance here in the octagon. I'm talking about fighting, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, doing the gladiator walk because it just, he he just, he he channels that old school kind of uh, vibe, that mentality, right? He's not out here doing anything flashy. It's, Hey, mean potatoes, uh, to use another one of our to- uh, slogans around here. Mean potatoes, man. It's it's just what you need. Nothing crazy, but a little seasoning, and it's it's like it's some comfort food, is what Jim Miller is, man. Absolute legend. And I think you give him what he wants, man. Either Brock Lesnar or I think Paul Felder, brother, get him from behind the booth. That'd be a fun one. Even Paul said that's a that's a legend. Someone he can get up for, and I would love to see on UFC three hundred. Just just spoil us fans. Give us cavities, spoil us rotten uh, with all the sweetness of this UFC 300, and you got to put Jahim Miller on there for sure. What were your thoughts, brother? And my shots poured up, so I'm ready when you are.
1: Oh, let me let me get on top of that right away. Let me uh, let me throw myself on top of that situation like it's a live hand grenade, and I'm trying to save lives here, brother. Um,
2: <laughs> That's what that we do.
1: Terrible, that was a terrible analogy, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, so. Let's go ahead and do this shot for Jim Miller. A10, baby. Be different. Be the anomaly. Be like Jim Miller.
2: Cheers, brother. Cheers, Jim. You inspire us.
1: So, Jim Miller, he went out there and he got it done. He did everything right in this fight, folks. He knew that his opponent has a, a killer leg kick. So, what did he do? He went out there and he beat him with better leg kicks. Uh, I did hear something on the commentary that stood out to me. I made a note of it, and that's this. <clears throat> they said, you know, if he uh, if he kicked a little bit lower here, he'd be able to, to really shut down the opponent's legs. His opponent probably wouldn't be able to take a whole lot of these because if you kick the calf, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. The swelling can't escape the calf. However, if you're kicking as hard as that fucking guy was and you're kicking the calf... You're also leaving yourself a bit open to be exposed and hit by the shin bone, which would explode your shit, which we've all seen happen to, oh, I don't know, his opponent, Mowgli Benitez, the guy he was fighting. So we've seen that happen to him in previous fights. Now, there's a number of different names that stand out to me as far as who should be next for Jim Miller. But again, we're still talking about this fight here, folks. Jim Miller, he he won by neck crank is what they declared it. I thought it was actually an RNC. I thought it was under when I was watching the fight, but upon replay, I guess it was a face crank, guys. Round three, three minutes and 25 seconds in. He didn't want to leave anything in the hands of the judges, and he definitely wanted to earn every ounce of the nickname Jim Miller, guys. Uh, And, I mean, I think he did it. I think he did it with that face crank. Put the hurting on Gabriel Benitez. He landed 96 out of 157 strikes at a 61.1% clip of accuracy, 80 out of 140 significant strikes, 57.1 clip, two for two on takedowns. If you're bad at math, don't worry, I'll uh, carry the one. Hold, hold the tater. That's That's 100% guys. That was money in the bank for him. He made it happen. He got the takedowns. He got the submission. One submission attempted, one submission landed and twice the paycheck landed. Why? Because he got the win and that's how it works in this sport. We'd love to see it guys. Be different. Be the anomaly. B Jim Miller. Um, guy's an absolute beast. And he is an MMA anomaly. He's been doing this for a very, very long time. Now, there's a number of different fights that probably make a lot of sense for him. But I think the two that are on the tip of my tongue probably go. Actually, I have three. Fuck, I'm gonna throw a third one in the hat, but I'm gonna save, I'm gonna save the third, I'm save the third one. Uh the, the, the two that I'm gonna say right now. Or the obvious one, Paul Felder, Paul the Welder Felder. You know what I'm saying? Uh, welder of steel. The other, maybe not so obvious one, is uh, Tony Elkagui Ferguson. Legend versus legend action for UFC 300.
2: Ooh, that'd be a really fun one. If Paul doesn't, just, if Paul decides to uh, to not come out of retirement and to stay retired, then Tony Ferguson would be. A fun one. That'd be a really good one, actually. I'd love to see that. Oh, great name, brother. Dana. Make it happen. Now, the next one.
1: A bit of a weird one. Bit of a weird one. I us say Dan Hooker. Oh. I feel like it'd be a fun fight. I feel like it'd be it'd a be gunslinger a fun of a fight. Two guys that are ready to go out on their shield, nobody uh pulling any punches there. Just feel like that'd be a, a fun one. But again, I led what I with the other one because it's the obvious choice. It makes the most sense. And uh you know, just why the hell not, guys? Did you have oh. any names on the tip of your tongue? <laughs>
2: Um, honestly, I mean, Tony Ferguson beats mine. I was going to mention, I mean, I think I mentioned Paul Felder just because Jim did and Hey, give Jim what he wants. If that's what he's calling for, then I say you reward the man, but, um, uh, Tony Ferguson or somebody, I think he even mentioned Matt Brown, maybe just cause he also has the most finishes in the UFC, I believe. So Could uh, be a fun narrative to tell there. Um, but I, my answer is whatever the hell Jim Miller wants, you give him that fight as soon as possible too, or at 300 i think that's i think it's an obvious choice
1: absolutely i think uh in this next one we're probably going to have a little bit of differing opinions here maybe a little bit of a less obvious choice for me at least uh but i think once i say it out loud you're going to be like oh sh- it does make a lot of sense
2: Ooh, okay um, okay
1: so i'm gonna let you take the lead on this next one here um as far as matchmaking, and I'll let you take the lead on it. As far as just talking about the breakdown of the fight here, so ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, and and without any any other stalling here, it's time for us to break down Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker, the main event of the evening here, folks. Nano, what you got?
2: Boy, Mago Med Ankalaev is a dog. He came in there with a statement, put an exclamation mark on this uh second fight that is between the, the two individuals here. Mago Med live performance of the night, big knockout over my boy Johnny Black Label Walker, man. And I had, you know, my big takeaway as I was watching it unfold. I actually had to watch it twice because that knockout was sweet. But uh Mago Med, man, he just he looked so focused. He looked really comfortable. And just technically sound when it came to his movements, no wasted movements, no wasted effort um, in the pocket. His spacing was really good, even though he had a big, powerful and sporadic, really awkward fighter and a Johnny Walker in front of him. He did not let that deter him from his game plan. He, it did not let him get out of his um Kind of how I want to say comfort zone, but he again, everything was just so technically sound. The way he kept his hands up, he would move in and out of range, just enough spacing, and, and everything he was doing was, was lights out. He stayed extremely focused and was picking his shots and, and landing with accuracy, with power, with purpose. Uh, and, and Johnny had his moments, but again, he just looked a bit too sporadic is the word that keeps coming up to me but again maybe just a little lack of focus or what uh Bisming and and uh paul were saying on the commentary was maybe a little lack of respect for his opponent i don't know if it was as much a lack of respect or just maybe he had much more confidence in his own skills find out there with coach Kavanaugh, having a good camp at this stage in his career no reason why he shouldn't be confident in his skills and you know, Johnny's the type of guy to fight loose, maybe not have a strict game plan. There's obviously some coaching involved there and relatively a game plan, I'm sure. But he's going to kind of let the let it feel out. He's going to throw some wild shots. And that's exactly what he was doing. But it did not throw Malcolm and off his game at all. He was chipping away at the legs and that knockout. And, and I mean, the shot he landed the right overhand, right on the jaw. Uh, floored Johnny Walker up against the fence and then that uppercut of doom uh, right on the nose, split it in half, definitely broke the crap out of it. Uh, you know it was bad when you see a fighter not even try to defend himself, just grabs his face out of sheer pain and agony and says, I don't even care if there's more shots coming. I think I just felt my face shattered to pieces and everything's numb and I don't know what's going on. So all things considered, Magomed, Madman made made a huge statement here absolute exclamation part uh exclamation mark excuse me uh and he's a savage like again he's really technically sound he's strong he's trained with sean strickland i mean this dude is just all business man he is a scary individual um and if you're him i mean i i guess i think he just and it's not good i'm not saying you try to wait here but maybe you get a if Jamal Hill and Alex is getting queued up ready to go, or I don't know if that's confirmed yet, but um, Magomed's right in that conversation, right? If Jamal needs more time, do you book Magomed versus Alex Bejeda? or if you're Magomed, do you wait for the winner of Jamal and Alex, and then you, you know, are that next that next guy? That's what I feel is next for him. I think that makes sense. I think he's earned that. Right? It would. I would hate to see him continue to fight these lower rank guys. When, again, I mean, he's good, man. Like, he has all the makings to be a, a potential champion. Some weird fights, right? The the no contest with Jan Blachowicz. I mean, he could have he could have been the champion right now. But that no contest, I mean, that's a weird aspect. He's had a weird path. I feel bad in that sense. But when you see what he did to Johnny Walker, and, again, just looking at him from the lens of just, like, what he's doing, he made, like, no mistakes in that fight. It just felt like everything he did was smart, technical, He's a problem, dude. So here's your thoughts on what's next for boy Magomed here. But he does feel like kind of the oddball out here. He, he doesn't have a date to the dance. He's uh, he's, in, he's he's in stuck between a rock and a hard place, I'd say. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more here when it comes to Magomed Ankalaev, I thought that he did everything he needed to do to get it done. Um, if there's anything to be learned from this, I think that it's the fact that Johnny Walker really plays around a little bit too much in there. Um, he acts up. He pretends to be hurt. And when he does that, the only person that he's really hurting is himself. Right? Like, he's he's literally leaning into the fact that, you know, you can play foul or, or play hurt and then jump into a knee or play hurt and then jump into a, a crazy strike. But – These types of things leave him open. He ends up taking early abuse. And again, he took an overhand right, followed by a just absolute barreled up, chambered and loaded right uppercut to the dome. It it was really, really Luke Rockhold versus uh, Yoel Romero-esque. That's what it felt like. It was disgusting. You hate to see it, but you love to see it. As Foghorn Leghorn would say, it was the best of times. I'll say, I'll say it was the worst of times. Um, and that's exactly what it was, folks. Guys, it was fireworks. But the crazy thing is Magomed Ankalaev, and correct me if I'm wrong here, no, no, Magomed Ankalaev, did he just get a finish that didn't end in DQ or some kind of craziness? What universe is this? <laughs> My goodness. Um just absolutely wild. He got something that did not end in contr- controversy. Controversy. Uh, <laughs> also, can I just say uh on today's episode of How I Met Your Favorite Fighter, Michael Bisping quote retweeted me this weekend. It had nothing to do with the UFC fights.
2: I saw that and that is fantastic news. We should share it with the uh with our awesome community members here. What was uh what was the exchange? So- How did that happen?
1: So Michael Bisping posted something UFC related. And uh, I commented and I I just had to tell him, I was like, Hey man, you know, just started watching warrior with the fiance. I know we're late to the party, but, uh, I think you're phenomenal in season two. And he literally quote, retweeted me. and was like, Hey, cheers, buddy. Had a great time on that show. Yeah. It was a great time. Um, just know like as an MMA fighter as a UFC fighter no matter how big or small these interactions are that you have with us on MMA Twitter or on Twitter or on Instagram wherever um we appreciate it so so much it means the absolute world to us and uh yeah thanks really really uh hope he's going to be International Fight Week he did like my my uh question to him on Twitter, asking him if he's going to be there and saying, I would love to get a picture with him and shake the hand of such a, a legendary fighter. So I may or may not have set that up for us there, no
2: Let's go, baby. I, I love that. See, it, big it, fan.
1: Hotels are booked. We're just waiting on tickets to release, man. Can't wait on that fucking link.
2: Let's go. Drop the link.
1: <laughs> Drop the fucking link, please. We need it. Um, so that being said, guys, uh, it, I said I would let you lead on this, and uh, I'm a man of my word. So, the mic is hot. The block is hot. Nano, who you got? Who's next for Magomed on Goliath?
2: <sighs> I think it has to be the winner. Man, but it's all timing, right? I think if it's not the winner of Jamal Hill versus Alex Baheda for the title, then i think it has to be just a fun stylistic matchup i don't know if the rankings have updated just yet but if they are where they're going to be two names that kind of stick out to me Nik- Nik- uh, nikita krilov or my boy khalil roundtree jr is my dark horse fun stylistic matchup that would be two strong mother effas going in there and two guys that might be pushing for a title contention shot i mean khalil's on the radar of the current champ now alex and he looked gosh darn good against anthony smith they both had wins over anthony smith i mean is it khalil around tree maybe Woo! what you thinking brother
1: i i just what am i thinking i'm thinking that i fucking hate you because we have a little bit of a hive mind I mean, come on, guys. Like The obvious name here, the very, very obvious, easy kind of gimme here is like, oh, give him the winner of Yuri Pekoska versus Alexander Rockets. You know, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, come on. We don't play easy here. We play no filter here, folks. So, I'm here to tell you that I agree with Nano for a change. We've been doing that a lot more lately, and I'm uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not mad at it. I'm not fucking mad at it at all. I think the money fight of the evening here, the... Money fight of the evening, I say again, is Khalil Roundtree Jr. coming in against Magomed Ankalaev? I think those two prove to be a litmus test for each other when it comes to the light heavyweight title picture. I think the winner of that goes up for the belt, and I I think that's the only way around it, guys. I think Magomed Ankalaev needs at least one more win without controversy. And uh, I think that if he gets that over somebody like uh, the guy that fights everybody like they stole his old sister's bike and or fucking bullied him as a small child in elementary school and or stole his lunch money yesterday. I'm talking about Khalil Roundtree, guys. Um, If he's able to go out there and do that over Khalil Roundtree, then by golly, by golly, me, by golly, you, I'm ready to hear it. I'm ready to see it. And uh, man, it just fucking gets me all pumped up, gets me ready to watch some fights. fucking ready guys I'm stoked I'm hyped um, obviously I think that that fight is the fight to make the fact that I let Nano go first and uh, he he, uh, he he had the same one as me kind of upsetting but hey that's a that's a fucking jive turkey what is he gonna do he's gonna he's gonna gobble it up when he can and uh, that's, that's, I love it I love to see it that's why he's the fucking co-host with the most and with that being said Nano that was all the fights that was it we already went through them all. We blazed through that shit like it was a delicious delicious treat. Um, and without further ado I'm going to put Nano on the spot here and I'm going to say UFC 297 is right around the corner folks. It's, it's, and when I say right around the corner I mean it's fucking, it's, it's in like six days. Okay. Uh, it's in five days actually. So we're going to do a full breakdown video on that on Wednesday. We're going to do our best bets and best picks and break down every single fight on the card for the most part. Do you have any bets on the tip of your tongue that you think are just absolute no-brainers right now, Nano?
2: Ooh, 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 ooh. Honestly, not necessarily. I'm looking at the card right now, and I don't know any of the lines, so I don't want to speak too blindly here. That main event, I'm definitely going to want to break down a bit more because I am torn. I mean, the closer we get, the more intrigued I am by du Duplessis. I mean, he is a tough, tough son of a gun, man. Sean Strickland, there's a lot of juice behind it. Sean's a dog. I mean, but we've seen him get hurt by big power punches before. I got to break it down a little bit more there, so I'm staying away in terms of betting as of now. But I do like my Robbeno Silva. That's probably one I'm going to slam. I don't care what the odds are. If they're not great, maybe I'll parlay her with someone else. But do like her a lot. I'm liking Mac- Mike Melotte as well. Don't know what the odds are, but I'm liking him in this initial matchup. I'm curious, most curious to break down a bit more as well. Arnold Allen was Mozart Ev- Evloev. Ev- Mozart Evloev. That's an interesting one right there as well. Again, I can't, I'm excited to break it down a bit more. Um, don't have a bet, but brother. UFC 297 shaping out to be a banger of a card. Can't wait to break it down here further with you in a couple of days. But initial bets, I like that co-main event. I like Mike Mallet, and uh, I'm sure I can find a couple others. But what are you thinking, brother? Anything sticking out to you?
1: I'll be right. I'll be honest with you. I'm probably going to hammer in a three-pick parlay before the odds swing a little bit because I know that when it comes to these big numbered cards, 296, 295, 200, one, two, three, five, fucking whatever number starts getting bets. Uh, any of these big numbered pay-per-view cards, the lines tend to shift quite a bit, folks. And when that happens, I'm upset that I didn't make the picks earlier on. Uh, I will say I'm going to take a page out of Nano's book here, and uh, I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket for a change. But I'm going to tell you my singles next week. Until then, or not next week, on Wednesday, next episode. (laughs) Uh, Until then, guys, um, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and tell you my bets now for this little three-leg parlay. The first one is going to be Jasmine Jazz uh, Jazdivisius, minus 380, coming in against Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, Priscilla Cachoeira is definitely a beast. She's got solid power, but I think Jasmine Jazdivisius is just the, the smarter fighter. She's got better fight IQ. She's got an overall better skill set and more paths to victory when it comes to winning this fight. Uh, moving quickly into the next fight, because we are going to break these fights down in their entirety, in the Wednesday episode here in just two days now moving into the next one we got Arnold Allen not to be confused with Brendan all in Allen we got Arnold almighty Allen with his dad Pacer Allen in his corner on uh, Saturday night next week God we can't wait to fucking see it guys it's going to be a good fight he's coming in against Movzar Evloev and Movzar Evloev 17-0 he's someone that not a lot of people want to fight Mr. where are you him himself on short notice, and he's the first person that uh, you know, as they say in dodgeball, made him bleed his own blood. And it was a fantastic, fantastic fight. Um, the man himself he, he put up a great fight against all Evloev, but I digress. Evloev got the win, and that's why he is still 17. And oh, he is undefeated. But that oh has got to go on Saturday. That's why I'm taking on old Allen. I think almighty Arnold Allen gets it done. He's big. He's strong. He's down to get the friction on at least for 15 minutes, folks. Uh, In a 15-minute fight, the guy's an absolute fucking freight train. That's why I've got him on this three-legger. Going to break it down in its entirety on Wednesday's episode. But before we quit, you know we got to do one more here, one more hit before we quit. And you know it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a Mike Mullot, folks. Mr. Mallott himself, you already know. Don't put him on the shelf. He's the man. Mike Mallott. Uh, I actually ran into him at International Fight Week. I met so many fighters that week, and I can't wait until June this year. It's going to be the best shit ever uh, to have the fucking co-pilot, the co-host with the most nano there. Let's fucking go. Uh, But with that being said, Mike Mallott is the third and final leg of this parlay that I'm cluing you in on early before these lines shift. So we got Jasmine Jazdavisius at minus 380. We got Arnold Almighty Allen at plus 160. And they got Mike Mallott, a little bit of a heavy favorite here, minus 360 against Neil Magny, the Haitian persuasion, I believe. Um Neil Magny is an absolute beast. He is a game-bred fighter who I like to say is one of the best litmus tests of the division. That being said, Mike Mallott is the future. He's the next GSP, in my opinion. He's a guy that's got grappling, scrambles, and knockout power. And, I mean, his boxing is just so fucking crispy. It's just fun to witness. I personally am going to drop an easy two units on this one. And, uh, guys, it, it's a solid conversion here. One unit equals four units. Okay? Uh, 4.19 to be exactly. So, I'm going to put two units on this one. I think this is a uh, fairly safe bet. Obviously, going against Vegas is a risky play because Vegas knows what they're doing, right? Uh, but Arnold Allen, I think, has something that Vegas isn't seeing. They're looking at his most recent loss to Max Holloway, but I think he's going to come out and show that he's gotten leaps and bounds better than that, even though he's biting off a tough, tough obstacle in battling his next opponent, movzarev Evloev um that's my first pick for wednesday's show i'll go over it in its entirety again breaking down these fights southpaw versus orthodox orthodox versus orthodox southpaw versus southpaw whatever the fuck it ends up being i'm gonna break it down nano's gonna break it down we're gonna have our picks and we truly truly hope to see you guys there on wednesday nano you got anything else to say before we wrap up today
2: i like that parlay brother but no tune in on wednesday y'all thank y'all for tuning in today hope y'all have a great week Stay blessed, y'all. And uh man, can't wait. It's gonna be a good one. First pay-per-view of the year. Let's go.
1: It is going to be an absolute fucking good one. And uh, man, so happy to to have the co-host with the most here with me to break it all down in just two days' time. Folks, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fight fans of all shapes and sizes, we really appreciate you being here with us on a Monday night, spinning your Martin Luther King Jr. day with us. And um, man. I have a dream as well. I have a dream that this will be the number one MMA podcast in the world someday. God willing, inshallah. And, and, and I mean, gosh, it's all because of all of you fans. We appreciate you taking the time again and spending that time with us on a Monday. Whether you're new here or returning, as always, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the audio only version on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, we'd appreciate the like, the review, etc. And something that we always say here on the MMA Anomaly Show, no filter, is this. Keep on going, keep on growing, and we will see you on the next episode, folks.
0: You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show, no filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at (coughs) MMAnomily. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.